Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams, and today I'm very excited to introduce Tic Tac Tomar of Yahoo and Zone Time. Thanks so much, Omar, for taking the time and, and coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you. It's it's uh the off season is always interesting, especially you know being a Leafs fan. So I guess taking any opportunities to talk hockey um has been great. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm just, I'm just, just for our sake, I'm hoping there's a Nylander trade in like five minutes and then you. Uh, <laughs> I like, it's, it's, it's so funny. I, my, my stance on the Nylander thing has been so roller coastery because yeah. for the longest time I was on team, get the deal done, figure it out later. And now as I'm seeing like other extensions kick in from like other players and other teams, I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I think I think this might be the time where a decision kind of needs to be made. That may not be ideal. That what maybe might help help the Lisa long term. So yeah, ah, but that would suck. Well, I was I was going to ask you about that later on, but I mean, I, honestly, let's just get to it quickly. Sure. I, I I guess my question for you is: Do you take Nylander at like nine, ten million, or like if you have kind of two options, like the red pill? blue pill from like the matrix or something like that like what pill do you take do you take trading uh nylander uh just for like as much as you can get or take getting nylander signed for like seven eight years at uh you know 9.5 10 million dollars what would you do um so because of how the first wave of negotiations went mm-hmm. um and this and it's interesting because i was kind of sad and somber and frustrated with like how the Dubis situation played out. But upon reflection and seeing how, where we are now, it's like, okay, that the animosity I had towards the first wave of negotiations has, has kind of come up and, and, and we have seen it, right. You know, Dubis said, no, we can and we will to, to get the, get the core sign. He got the core sign. And what do we have to show for it? Nothing. Zilch. Nada. One, one round and that's it. And, and the issue that has come up in all of the playoff series is that when when the going gets tough, they, they can't score. But the way that the team is built, the top players cannot not score. They, they, they have to be contributing. And the whole focus has been, well, the team has to get depth. The team has to get secondary scoring. But the way that the team is built salary-wise, they can't rely on that. So going back to Nylander, the Toronto Maple Leafs cannot – like it with with in any reality realm, whatever they cannot afford another double digit player. So okay. if Nylander is not willing to come down from ten, I'm sorry, you gotta go. And it's not like because I want to trade you. It's not because I want to see you on another team or I want to see you win it when so elsewhere. I know a lot. Of, there's a big portion of these fans that are that are kind of divided on on Nylander. There are some who acknowledge his growth and acknowledge the skill and knowledge how he's gotten better defensively and compete. And there are those who still see him as that same. 2014 kid who was just all offense no defense whatever like the trade would have to happen just because salary wise it wouldn't fit and the team needs to move away from this idea of letting the players not just the stars letting the players dictate the salary cap it it cannot happen anymore because if you continue this if we give Nylander whatever he wants okay then when Martin negotiates he'll say you know what yeah, you know that, that that thirteen million dollar deal that that Columbus offered me. I want that plus an extra two. And then what does Matthews want? And then maybe Matthew Nyes. What if Matthew Nyes shreds his ELC and he's like, <laughs> you know what? 
yeah, I'll take like five years at nine. And they say, why? I'm like, well, look what they did. So like they, they can't set that precedent anymore. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what my like final number is. Like I, 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 to be honest, I really liked the 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 Timo Meyer deal. Like I always thought, like an eight point yeah. eight times eight would work. I needed maybe maybe a, maybe a nine. Like if you're splitting hairs, maybe a nine and a half. But I wouldn't really like that. But like anything higher, you, you got you got to find something else. You have to go to some other team and say maybe this is the, this isn't a deal we have we want to make, but we have to. And maybe you try to just try to re- recoup assets some elsewhere. Maybe you hope that some prospects kind of come out come out out of nowhere. And fill a roster spot, but like just for the purpose of the thing, like the Leafs, Brad Tree Living, Brad Brandon Shanahan, they they need to put their foot down. And if Nylander has to be the casualty, then it'll be unfortunate because we know he'll go to like I don't know, he'll go to like Carolina or or New Jersey or something. I don't know, and then win a cup and then say like, oh, no one liked me here, and I won, and it will hurt. But the salary wise, it, it can't it can't fit, and that's just the reality. I, I guess the question I've been thinking about a lot is, especially as a Sens fan and, and Debrinket obviously got traded, but just mm-hmm. they would have been cap crunched. And, and for you, how big of a difference is in, in a salary cap world and, and the impact of a player signed to, you know, a big number is there from a guy who signed to 8 million at, compared to 10 million? Like, I, I don't know, like how big of a difference does that really make compared to just not having that player and using that eight to ten million on basically making yourself deeper and having guys on three, four, whatever million dollar contracts. Like how big of a difference and decision is that, do you think, in the salary cap NHL? Um, I think in a vacuum it doesn't really make too much of a difference, but I think it de- I think it depends on where you're starting from. Okay. So if you're a team like I don't know, if you're a team like Vegas, for example, who doesn't have too much, too much um uh, term or too much a high of a cap hit committed to players. If you're a team like New Jersey that's getting a lot of their star players on like good cap hits per term, then I don't think it matters too much. But a team like the Leafs, where you already have like you already have players that within the organization that are already making so so much, I feel like it's it can be a little dangerous to to play the game of well that's that's tomorrow's problem. Because yeah. I think that's the perspective that Dubas and company had when they initially signed those deals. Like we have, like we have the players, we have them. Like now, this is focused on winning games and trying to compete in the playoffs. That's tomorrow's problem. But now tomorrow was here, and they're in a and they're in a worse off situation. And and the 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 bet that the Leafs had at the time was that hey, the salary cap is going to go up. Well, things happen. And the salary yeah. cap didn't go up. So, do we have the same plan of like let's just sign Elander to whatever number he needs so we can recoup the player and then hope that the that the salary cap goes up? But then, what if the salary cap goes up only a only a certain degree? Or um or what if what if what if other other um uh things come to play? And again, it's not necessarily the the specific number because I'm pretty sure Brandon Pridham, our Lord and Savior, who <laughs> literally like 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 goes through go goes through. The, the CBA and find any way to, to make the least cap compliant. Like I'm sure as it stands, like Brandon Pridham could find a way to make it fit. If they did decide to give Nylander like a nine and a half or a 10, I, I'm sure there they could figure out some way, but it's the principle. And it's mm-hmm. the idea that would they really need to start festering um, a culture or at least a thought process where it's just like, yes, this is what I can make, but I'm going to take this 
to put the team in a better situation so they can do X, Y, and Z moving forward. And it, it's so frustrating to look around the league and see so many other players do that. And it's like, why can't that be us? Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Alex DeBrincat take, yeah. uh, take um, uh, uh-huh. a deal a little, a little under eight. Huh. I'm like, man, you probably could have got so much higher. Yeah, like I'm looking at like like Nick Suzuki and 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 Montreal again the Jack Hughes deal like there's so many solid deals around the league and it's like man we need to start we need to start doing that and to be honest I think the only player on the Leafs who's legitimately taken a cut to stay has been Morgan Riley like that yeah. seven and a half like eight year deal that's probably it I I don't see any other I don't see any other I'm gonna take a couple minutes a million dollars off. Um, um, to stay here aside aside from um, aside from Marley, and I think that's what the Leafs need to attack or need to kind of address. Because again, I, I'm pretty sure they could find a way to fit Nylander, but it's the way in which it's the way in which they do it, and again, the message that's being sent that they really need to work on. Because I don't think that that exists at all on this team right now. Well, we went on a bit of a tangent because I wanted to go into your career and you just went straight into the Leafs, which is great. I loved it. So I'm not yeah. I'm not complaining, but I'm going to try to backtrack. So for you, Omar, mm. how did you become a tortured Leafs fan? How, how did it all the misery begin? <laughs> oh, man. Um, so I started watching hockey um, at the end of the 97 season. So when Detroit won uh, another cup. <laughs> um, and so I just started just, just started wa- um just started watching it randomly and then you know at the time as a kid um which is interesting because I think I got I'm putting this in air quotes I think I got lucky because mm-hmm. when I was a kid um being a Leafs fan wasn't the most popular because you know the team sucked so yep. you know you see you just see a lot of kids walk around with like Sens jerseys um Habs jerseys a lot of Pens fans and stuff especially growing up in Toronto um and but there wasn't really a lot of like passion for the Leafs at the time so just by chance. I wanted to start watching hockey more. The TV was on, so I'd watch Hockey Night in Canada and such. Um, and then I think what really um, – there are two players that really, I guess, um, kind of an- uh, up the ante for me as far as hockey goes. Um, Matt Sundin, which a lot of mm-hmm. Leafs fans will always say, and also for me, Jerome McGinley. Um, oh, okay. Jerome yeah. McGinley was one of, the, one of the first players I watched, uh, one of the first black players I watched, and I was shocked. Like, I was just like, wow. my jaw dropped. Like, I thought, like – like like the the, the the pixels of my TV was like broken. Like I remember like going all the way close and like looking to see. And I'm like, no, that that he is darker. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then seeing him play and seeing him play as, as beyond just a person that's yeah. just fighting or hitting, just an actual skilled player, just like completely changed my perspective on things. So like for, so as far as like my I guess my 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 fandom as being a hockey fan overall. Like, I have to attribute that to that to Jerome McGinley, and that's why I'm so upset that he couldn't get a cup. Like that was Jerome McGinley was the only reason I got close to cheering for Boston. Like when he got when he went there, and I was like, ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it, so it kind of just continued from continued from there, um, and then just got more and more into into watching the Leafs and you know those those painful pre 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 uh, lockout years, and then the painful post lockout years. Um, just every year, just like watching and watching and kind of getting into debates and like heated conversations at school. But it all just started with just like watching and watching Detroit um, uh, win the cup back then. Uh, Ken Holland will probably talk about that a lot. And um, <laughs> and then um, and then just so seeing again the play and kind of seeing that, you know, that there are other types of people and other kinds of people within the game. I think mm-hmm. that kind of like uh, activated a little curiosity within me and then I started to watch it more. Um, and then it was great. Like, obviously, like, you know, growing up in Canada, like, like you play, you know, you don't play as well. Like, you don't, if you don't have the, 
Uh, I guess the, the dreams are the dreams are the, are the goals the goal to make it further. But as far as like watching and being a fan, it all started then, and um, and it's just gotten it's just gotten worse. Uh, a lot of people like Julian, like Julian McKenzie, for example, like yeah. always says, like, oh, I don't understand. Like, like, like I, I couldn't watch a team that just continuously fails all the time. And I was like, well, here's the thing, Julian, there will be a time where <laughs> something will happen and it'll work out. And I want to say that I stuck it out through all of it. Like, um, like there, there's that famous screen cap, screen cap from when the Rangers finally won the cup in 94. And there's, yeah. there's that person in the crowd who says, like, now I can die in peace. That yes, will be me. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that will be me. And that will be so many people if the Leafs like win a Stanley Cup in our lifetime. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, uh, I, I don't think you're you're getting closer. It feels like you're getting a bit farther away from that. But uh, I mean yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's the part of the fandom, right? Like I think I think that's great. And I mean for Julian's case, like it's not like the flames and are going in the greatest place right now. So uh, you maybe jumped yeah. on the wrong boat. So uh, front of the show. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I want to ask you a little bit, like how just, I don't really know, but how did the name Tic Tac Tomar come, come about? I, I'm so curious. It's such a great name, by the way. I, yeah. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. Well, that, I guess that, uh, I guess to, to talk to that, I guess I have to kind of go to the beginning of how like the, the Twitter aspect of stuff started. So, um this happened i want to say in 2012 um and my my uh my little sister made a twitter account and was just always like oh oh i have i have 14 followers and i have like 29 followers and i was like okay and then she finally got like uh, i think she got like to like 91 followers and stuff like that so me being a little pestering brother i was like hmm, okay so i made a twitter account with the sole mission of just getting to 100 followers before she does and then I did it, rubbed it in her face, and I was like, ha! Um, and then I just kept this Twitter account and wasn't really doing too much with it. And then during um, – I forgot who the Leafs were facing. I'm pretty sure it was one of the Pittsburgh games where Malkin was destroying us because that happened yeah. a lot. Um, and I just, like – I was just getting so frustrated. I just started, like, just tweeting, like, oh, my gosh, this team. And then someone else, like, commented was like, yeah, they're so frustrating. And then from there, I just started, like, trying, trying – I get going to Twitter to kind of, like, express my thoughts on it. Um, and then over the years, it kind of grew into that. I would like start like just search gifts, like through like the search meter, like post like, you know, Dragon Ball Z gifts of like, yeah, yeah huge power, huge power play or yeah, or, or if they lost like a crying thing or something like that. Um, and then it got to the point where like, you know, there's only certain, there's only so much you can say within a tweet because of, you know, the, the character limit. Um, and I got the idea of starting a blog. Um, because like you know maybe I can kind of have this website where I can start talking about talking you know further and more and more detail. And I was a little on the fence about it because you know I was just like, yeah, this is something that, that can work, but like, would it even go anywhere? Would it? Would anyone even read? And then uh, my girlfriend kind of gave me the, I guess, I guess the push to do it. You know, she's like, just try it, just do it. Like you never know. Like so, I did it. Uh, made 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 the blog. It was fun. Uh, had like post game recaps and like today in the NHL and stuff. And then. Um, one day, someone from Fansided, uh, Chris Okranitz, who was um, who was the site manager of um, Tip of the Tower at the time, asked if I wanted to contribute for the website, which was significant. And I remember just stressing over the first article. I'm pretty sure it was about Nazem Kadri, about how like he's like he was like on one of the best deals ever, um, mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, so the, so that continued and that went on. And then um, I got an opportunity to uh, be the site manager of um, a Winning Habit, which is a Montreal Canadian site. Now, awkward being a Leafs fan 
and I got <laughs> I got approached asking if I would be if I if I'd be willing to do it because they wanted to bring it back that hadn't been out dark for so long, and I thought about it, I'm like hey maybe it might be weird doing that, but I also thought it might be an opportunity to kind of practice some objective writing because you know as a fan like you're gonna react like fan like yeah. trade this person trade that person even <laughs> though at the time it's just like you know maybe you're being a little heated, um so I thought it'd be a good opportunity to kind of practice that objective writing so I did that. And then um, once that started to grow grow a little bit, um, that's when a lot of the giffers um, that we're seeing now kind of started to come 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 up. So like Flinter, for example, mm-hmm. um, uh, Leafs and um, IMO, at least in my in my opinion on Maple Leafs Hot Stove, for example, um, Jacqueline would would all gif gif games. And I thought that'd be I thought that'd be kind of be interesting to take it on upon myself, maybe see if I can kind of add my own like little flair to it. Um, because one, there's a lot of like funny moments that happen in games that we don't focus on, and also sometimes there are there are instances in in and times where, you know, yeah, it was wasn't a goal or a highlight, but it's still a pretty a pretty interesting play. So I did that on that old initial account that I used to, that I used to as competition for with my sister, and then at some point it kind of got a little cluttered. So I thought, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna start over right from the beginning, fresh. Needed a name, and then Tic Tac Tomar came up. Um, so big fan of Tic Tac Toe plays. I love them. They're yeah. like just because there's nothing you can do, and <laughs> when when it's executed perfectly. It's so unfair. So I love watching like those uh, those tic tac toe plays. Um, and then I just thought you know it worked with my name. You no know, Omar tic tac toe Omar, and then capitalizing the T and the O kind of represented like, a little Toronto Ontario kind of aspect yeah. there. Oh, um, so yeah, and then so that's when it continued, and I think from there I, I was able to like you know kind of add my own little, little personality, my own little flair uh, to the gifting. And again, like a lot of people liking and retweeting and sharing. And you know, people using the using uh the gifts and the clips and stuff as far as like their their analyses and stuff. Obviously, I use them myself. Um, but then it kind of became a little spot where you know, if you're a person that like couldn't watch the game, maybe you're know, working during a shift. And like, I got a lot of this feedback during the playoffs as well. Where like like oh, you know, I'm working a shift and I can't watch the game, so like I'm just going through your feed. And it kind of slowly became something like that. Um, this is kind of a mixed bag of everything. So that's pretty know. much how Tic Tac Tomar kind of came kind of came to be. <clears throat> and, and what's it like for you? Like, obviously, you, you're at Yahoo now, and yeah, your own time with uh, Julian Avery and and Sam and and everyone else. What, what's what's yeah. that been like? Just to kind of be in the the media world and like the hockey media world. Yeah, that's been that's been incredible. Um, yeah, you know, but before his own time, there are there are definitely <laughs> opportunities to kind of get like a little mini taste of the media world with like writing and such, but. Zone time is 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 something different. I think it, it honestly feels like we're kind of like a family all together when we yeah. talk. It's like it's honestly like a, like a highlight of my week because um, when it first got kind of up, you know uh, brought brought up to me and like hearing the people who are going to be on it, I thought it was such an important opportunity because you know, for the most part, when you think of the hockey fan or when you think of like a hockey media member, you don't you know imagine a person of color or whether they be black, um, black, brown, or Asian, for example. Um, I thought it'd be an op. I think I thought it'd be an interesting opportunity, not just um, you know, audio wise, but also visualize visually to show that you know, hockey media and people who cover the sport and who like the sport and who are passionate about the sport isn't just one particular thing, and that we can all have that same level of passion and analysis and expertise um around hockey in the NHL. You know, reg- regardless of what you look like, and I think the thing that the thing that really stands out to me about Zone Time is that we really take those opportunities to kind of cover those, cover those topics where maybe some other uh, personalities or some other hockey shows may, maybe may shy away from, or may 
um, maybe if you maybe you might feel uncomfortable with. Um, so I think those having having you know Julian and Sam and Avery and Arun, for example, and all the others who have been on the show for for the, for the time and kind of having that space to have those uncomfortable conversations um, has been really 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 um, I think flourishing for me definitely. And over the years, we've seen so many people like watch the show and comment on that exact same thing. And obviously, you have the the haters who are like, "Oh, what do they know about hockey?" Yeah. Which kind of proves our point but yeah. <laughs> but besides that it's, it's been i think it's been such a rejuvenating space um and it's something that i'm very thankful for not just in the sense of the hockey media aspect but just literally just as a you know personally and as just and as, and as friends um having those people to, to talk to and, and to conversate with has been awesome no it's i i really love the show and like you guys are all great together funny and and i think the perspective is just so needed in a sport that's just been not diverse for way too long so and hopefully mm -hmm. that gets better and i want to go into that like what do you think that like obviously the hockey world is so far back from where it needs to be in terms of diversity um not just racially but you know with gender and everything but what things do you think are like kind of the the easy things that might be that might benefit the game of hockey in terms of diversity and inclusion and stuff like that like what do you think are some easy things that we can kind of make and bring to the game of hockey that it's, it's probably lacking right now? Um, I think just accepting the fact that it's there and that it exists. Um, and it, it's very, it, and, and it seems so simple, but I think it's, I think it's a ball that the NHL continues to drop a lot. Um, I remember this maybe might be a year or two ago, but there was an unfortunate uh, run of a lot of racially charged incidences that would take place, not just in the NHL, or um, there's some in the AHL or even just in the world of hockey overall. And anytime, you know, a media member would ask a, ask an NHL player about it, they would say kind of the same thing, you know, like racism has no place in the game. And I was like, but it is there. Yeah. So like, what are, so what are, what are we going to do about it? Um, so it, it's, it's, it's kind of sad because, like, you'd expect that a question like that would take such, you know, a, a long and, and and detailed and like you know step by step process answer, but it generally just comes to the idea of just just acknowledging that these things are here and acknowledging that, that these things exist and that these things are happening, whether you want them, whether 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 you want them to or not, like these things are taking place. And unfortunately, the the, the league has such a tendency of taking so many steps backwards instead of forwards. I mean, even just recently, how now. Um, Right. Special team warm-up jerseys are yep. completely banned, like everywhere, just so because of just because of what six or eight players this yeah. season who who decided not to do it. We're going to completely cancel everything, and that's just so prototypical NHL. And it's just like it's, in, it's in, instances like that where we you can actually have opportunities to have discussions and have conversations and kind of you know express ex, um, express the importance of them. And it's it's so unfortunate because you have organizations and players specifically that talk about how important the, these events are and how important these initiatives are. And and now because of the NHL being the NHL, we're just hiding behind it. So I'm actually interested to see what specific organizations do moving forward. But the NHL as a whole just needs to acknowledge the fact that these things are taking place. I mean, to this day, I'm pretty sure the NHL still hasn't had any formal 
partnership or formal work with the hockey the hockey diversity alliance I was gonna and that's ask something, you about that. yeah. yeah and that's something that's been going on for a long time and they've been very very vocal about it you know they they want they want to work they want to band who band with the nhl and the nhl does doesn't seem to want to pony up for whatever reason i don't know i don't understand what what they think the the negative aspect of it could be i don't understand what the what they think the backlash could be of it but that's just just another example the nhl likes to likes to think that it's just about hockey and that's it but i think that ignores the context that a lot of the people within the league who both play in it work in it and watch it um exist in no i i think what you're clearly showing is how much you love gary bettman i think that's (laughs) i think that's what we're getting here yeah yeah omar i think i think you're his number one fan i think and I, I'm your, I'm his second uh, favorite fan. Um, I, <laughs> that's my best transition from from that to some kind of lighter stuff. But I think it's really important mm-hmm. to talk about the lack of diversity and like I think the pride stuff is just bewildering. Like I mean, yeah, and the hockey diversity alliance, like it just, it's such an easy thing. Like it's not hard to do. Um, yeah. So it, it just, it's just, it's a shame. And and you know, I think hopefully fans themselves kind of push it to the forefront and i think for the most part hockey fans at least maybe i don't know maybe just the people i know but are are definitely more for inclusion than otherwise so hopefully it changes yeah. and yeah um i think uh we can be optimistic and pessimistic at the same time <laughs> uh, and uh yeah but i want i want to go to the nhl a little bit and and going on gary bettman i always ask uh people on the show if they were gary bettman uh, which is funny in in this case, but if you were yeah. Gary Bettman, Omar, and you could be commissioner for the day and you could change one rule, what would it be? Are we talking just like an on ice rule or like like any no, rule? Normally, I, normally it's an on ice, but you can you can take this wherever you want. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, on ice. Hmm. Ooh. Okay. On ice, if. I would abolish being able to challenge an offside goal after 20 seconds of the zone entry. Okay, cool. So that's something I remember the first time I saw, I don't know who did it, but the first time I saw that kind of challenge, my jaw dropped, entered (laughs) the zone. They, they're, they're, they're cycling the puck for like a good 50 seconds. The goal goes in, it's a deflection in front that everyone's celebrating no reviewed because the initial entry and i was like are you kidding me the half that had like this the entry had nothing to do with the actual goal and like i get it you know if it's blown offside they never enter the zone they don't have possession no score yada yada um but that's something i would change because like again i'm all for reviews but the review process we even have in the nhl isn't uh, even clear cut so like it takes no so long oh. it takes so long we still don't know what the rules are I don't know what goaltender interference is. I don't know what kick. I don't know what 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 distinct kick, kicking motion is. Like I don't know. I don't know what what like what is and isn't a penalty. I don't think. I think a lot of players don't know that as well. But yeah, as far as an on ice on ice change, um, I would get rid of that. The ability to um to challenge a goal when you know when the entry was like fifty seconds or a minute afterwards. I if I could change it something overall, I wouldn't abolish the salary cap because I in air quotes understand its intended purpose um but i think having some type of like luxury tax system yeah just like listen this is the ceiling but if you go over it then this is the penalty that they they have to they have to pick and maybe like and maybe 
set like a limit of how much you can go over. Like, don't make it like an infinite amount. Well, I say you can go like up to 10% over the salary cap or, or something. Because I think for the most part, for a lot of these like extreme situations we've seen where like, you know, the Tampa Bay's of the world and the Vegas and the Vegas Golden Knights of the world that have, you know, ended the season and have hoisted the salary cup, the, the, the Stanley Cup with like, uh, I don't know, like a 95, 95 million or a $91 million like salary cap hit. I think if 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 there's some type of luxury tax where like they're they're over the cap, but like they're gonna they're gonna get penalized for it, and maybe you have that money go towards like you know hockey related revenue, whatever it is, more ways so we can increase the salary cap. I think that's something that I would change. Um, will they do it? Probably not. But you know, you, you can only you can only hope. <laughs> no, for sure. And I, I'm gonna go off this a little bit, and and in terms of asking you a couple of kind of fun questions because I know on Zone mm-hmm. Time you guys talk about. No trade clause, clauses, sorry. And, oh. and for me, as a Sens fan, the Travis Hammond contract just bewildered me. I know it bewildered you, but oh, why oh, do you think? Can, yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah, no, no. no what, what were your thoughts on that? What were your, like, initial thoughts on that? When you saw, you opened up the cap room, you saw full no move for, for Travis Hammond. What were your thoughts on that? Well, there was two things. The first one was, wait, they signed him for more than league men which I thought made no sense. <laughs> I was like, like, unless it's eight, I was like 1.1 for two years. Like if it's one year, I'm like, okay, maybe then, yeah. then, then you know how it works where you find out the details like a couple hours later and then you hear a no trade yep. clause and you're just thinking what, like what wait, like, <laughs> like where is this coming from? And, and then, and then yeah. they're saying, oh, he wants to stay in Ottawa. I'm like, yeah, but, Okay, just don't give him one. Like, if he wants to stay, get, it just <laughs> makes no sense. I mean, I'm happy for him. Yeah. He seems like a like the guys like as a sense fan. He seems like a a you know big guy in the locker room. Everyone loves him, but just I I don't understand it. And I know you guys talked about how there's no trade clause. There's no no trade clauses in the NBA, and that's kind yeah. of I I think they should amend that. And but my question to you is really more because everyone seems to have. You know, if they have a modified no trade clause that it's to, to Canadian teams, like how much does this impact Canadian teams, the just the rise in no trade clauses given up by GMs? Because I think that actually has had a really negative impact on Canadian teams. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I want to say it was Brian Burke in his book that actually detailed that there's a good chunk of NHL players who like do not want to play in Canada, whether yeah. it's the whether it's the perception, whether it's the buzz, whether it's the um, the, the taxes, what, 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 whatever, but like there are a considerable amount of NHL players who don't want to play here. And yeah, I absolutely do think that kind of cycles um, cycles player movement. And like the, <laughs> like the reason why a lot of people like, or at least from my understanding, why people love the NBA so much is because every year, every year there is player movement left and right. But in the NHL, there are so many things that just hold it back, whether it's trade clauses, whether it's the cap, whether it's just like it's just fits organized culture, whatever. There's so many things that get in the way of trade of trades being done. And yeah, I do think and I do wonder, like how many teams have maybe lost out on acquiring like a an impact player for maybe maybe like a playoff run because maybe that player or a player part of the package just didn't want to play in in Canada for a couple of months. And mm-hmm. it, and at this point, it's almost as if the only way like Canadian teams can get elite talent is by drafting it. Mm-hmm. Right. So like I you, so you, you like you actually think it's like, you know, like would 
would an Austin Matthews like freely sign in in Toronto? Would um would what a what a, a, Stu, a Stutzla, for example, yeah. sign in Ottawa? Would Brady Kachuk sign in Ottawa? Would a, would Elias Pettersson sign sign in Vancouver? Would Jonathan Huberto sign sign in Calgary? You know, unless they weren't placed there. Um, so I I do think it is it is a a an interesting point and an interesting tidbit because yeah I, I do because yeah I, I don't know it, it's very very fascinating like a lot of a lot of t- a lot of players would much rather like play in the state and again a prime example and started to make this about the least but like we just witnessed Ryan O'Reilly sign yeah. in Nashville because he didn't want to play in Toronto he's he didn't Canadian want to play he's from and Toronto. he's a Canadian kid exactly so, so yeah it's de- it's definitely there it's definitely out there and I, I'd be fascinated to see. A reality where there are fewer, you know, trade protections or, or, or clauses on trades, and to see if that impacts the frequency, the frequency of trade of trades of, amongst teams, because that can be because like no trade protection or no move protection overall is definitely getting in the way of uh, of some um, decisions that GMs have to make. Yeah, no, for sure. I just I just think it's such an interesting thing, and another topic of conversation, especially with how Vegas won the cup is, is tandem goalies. And especially in a salary mm. cap era, how, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think like how much should teams kind of, unless you have a Vasilevsky, like, is it like, what would you do if you're the Leafs? Like right now you have wall Samsonov, obviously Murray's probably out of the picture, but is that kind of the way to go now in a salary cap world? Or do you think it's as much just, if you're lucky enough, you pay the guy like the jets with Hellebuck, like what, where do you kind of stand on this? kind of issue of like how impactful goaltending is and how much of it is sustained and how much of it is just you throw it up in the air and sometimes it's you know a hot goalie and sometimes it's not yeah one of the most frustrating things that I've noticed I think in my years of like actively watching on hockey and actively watching the NHL I it's it it it, it pains me so much when a goalie comes out of nowhere and just morphs into a star because for the longest time, the Leafs have always been like answering the question, like, Oh, who's the number one, who's the number one. And before Freddie Anderson got here in 2016, we just had like a a carousel of random people and Anderson was our number one. And then Anderson would just poop himself in the playoffs all the time and then cost us game seven. So I'm like, okay, so do we actually need a number one goalie? And then you look around the league and then you're just seeing like, Jordan Bennington come out of the ECHL. You're, you're this year in Vegas. Aiden Hill come out of nowhere. Vegas had like five goalies this year and they were fine. So I think overall the league is trending towards more uh, tandem goalies or at least like a one A one B type of situation and not necessarily having a bona fide number one. I think I think the idea of a true number one goalie that's playing like 60, 65 games. I think that's kind of an extinct concept. And even like even like the the goalies that we consider number ones, like Andre Vasilevsky, he even mentioned at the end of um at the end of this regular season that he was kind of tired, and you know maybe yeah. he maybe he is playing a lot of games. So I wonder if that is something that that Tampa kind of lo- looks at ne- uh, next year. So I think the Leafs are definitely getting there, and I think I think it makes sense for them too. I think Samsonov has kind of proven that if you kind of if you give him maybe like. 30, 35 games, he can be good. And I think Joseph Wall has definitely proved that he has the ability to be an NHL goaltender. And maybe you can trust him with more games as opposed to, um, as opposed to, um, you know, kind of just playing on the second half of a back-to-back. But I do think that when it, when it, when it gets to the playoffs, you kind of have to know, like, who that person is going to be. 
Um, I don't know if tandem's going to work or works in the playoffs. In the regular season, I definitely think it works since yeah. how many games there are. But, like, once the say. playoffs start, you kind of have to know, like, who is that person you're playing game one, two, three, four, and then five, six, and seven if need be. But, yeah, I think the league is definitely t- t- tending, to what, tending to that area. And I think that just speaks to how more difficult the league is, you know, both both when it comes to, like, the, the grind, um, the scheduling, and also just the raw talent, the raw skill that you're seeing, like, you're seeing a lot, a lot of high octane offense on teams. Even teams that pride themselves on defense still have a lot of like, you know, full, full game breakers and such. And you know, over time, you know, I think, I think goalies are kind of, um, I, don't, I wouldn't say getting overwhelmed by it, but I think, you know, I think are kind of um, need need a different way to kind of overcome that. So, yeah, speaking of goaltending, um, not I'm not looking forward to uh, us facing Corpus Allo next year. I still have. Are you I a Corpusalo guy? Are you a that's been a big uh attention? Oh. I yeah, I don't know. Corpusalo, man. Is it 2020 bubble? Is that is that what's that's exactly here? what it is? That, that's that's it. exactly what it is. He came yeah. out and I had no idea who this guy was and stopped everything. <laughs> oh my gosh. So like I'm not like I'm already not not don't look forward to facing Ottawa. Like in my mind, they're doing has, has he been time. good during the regular season as well, or was it just that playoffs against you guys? Like I don't, I, I'm, I don't, I don't know. know. I think he was. I think he was decent in in um on Columbus. I think he was okay on the Kings. Yeah. Um, I watched like he. Yeah. No, no. I I watched that Kings series and his numbers look terrible. But like the first four games. Edmonton probably could have swept them if it wasn't for Corpus Allo. Like he was outstanding yeah. and then he kind of fell off and they just had power plays and would just score. So um, yeah. that's not really his fault. And he had the weirdest <laughs> numbers. I've never seen this and I, I'd love someone to do a deep dive, but his numbers are like top five, 10, like high danger saves. And then it just falls off a cliff when it's power play. Like he's not good at making saves on the PK. I mean, so that's yeah. a one that I Corpus Allo kind of reminds you of those. There are certain goalies that are the best when they're being just like pelted. Yes, you know what I mean. Like if yeah. if, if Corpus Allo was facing like Craig 30, Anderson 30, would always do that. In exactly, exactly. So yeah. if Corpus Allo is being lit up like shot after shot after shot, then I think he's good. But I think it. But I think I think it's interesting that the system of of the Kings and they're very more like. Um, you know, reclusion and try to like, you know, kind of hide, you know, get kind of hang back defensively. I think that kind of hurt him because I think if he's a person that needs a lot of puck touches, so that is why I fear for that first game against against Otto. We're gonna lose like two one, yeah, and we'll just have Brady Kachuk and Drake Batherson just like doing nothing in their own de- zone and letting a billion shots on, on net. I'm, I'm just kidding. Oh. They're not great defensive uh, forwards. Um, I want to ask you because <laughs> this always comes up and I'm always on the side of this league needs to fix its officiating. Why do you think the officiating is such a like point of contention in the playoffs? Like, and, and maybe how much does the game change from the regular season to uh, the postseason? Alex, it is night and day, man. Like, <laughs> I think I think the first time, the first time I really noticed how bad officiating is in the playoffs, um, I think was on, I think it was Tampa's run, um, Tampa's uh, uh, bubble run to, to the cup. Yeah. Those are the first times I really, really noticed it. Where just like Ryan McDonough was doing the wildest things, <laughs> and the rest was right there. 
and just like not calling it. Now, obviously, like you know, growing up as a fan, you know that like certain things get like kind of get let go and such. Mm-hmm. But I just find that that the that the the shift has been so drastic. Um, and I think what's made it worse, especially in this past in this past um playoffs, is that it wouldn't necessarily change because of um the actual maybe the actual flow of the game, right? Because yeah. we're, we're kind of used to that, you know, like if it's a game seven overtime, yeah, nothing's getting called. Or, you know what, like this team got two penalties. Okay, so we know the next team's going to get two penalties. But what I was what I was noticing that was fascinating was that you would have some games that would be officiated like a regular season game in the same series. And in the next game with a different set of refs, it's And then it's just, yeah. Right? And I find that, and that needs to be addressed because I think that's when hockey is that, that it's mo- at its most dangerous. And this is a conversation we've had on Zone Time for, for many years. And I think that the worst spot that you can be in as a player is when you do not know what you can and can't do. Yeah. Um, and and that in itself is very, very frustrating. And especially in the playoffs where it's a game of inches. And like we've seen it. Like, like, like ask ask Vegas about how that about how they how they felt about that five-minute major that um that they got that got called on them against San Jose. That cost them the game. They were done. Yeah. Like Jonathan Marchand was like, that cost the series. I'm like, you're absolutely right. Now, granted, don't allow full four goals on a power play, but you know, that kind of cost them the game. So it, it there's just no consistency. And I don't know why. I really don't understand why the league doesn't want to address that. I mean, like I like 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 for the most part, like like NHL media and such have always been always been very careful about you know criticizing the refs, and especially if you look at like the Hockey Night in Canada panel, for example, Ron McLean is very you know pro ref and always tries yeah. to kind of see the other side of things and such. And I know and I and I know that like you know if if people are too critical of officiating like on national broadcasting, they'll get a call from the league and say like, hey, like tone it down and such. But like. But let's just call the reality. Like, like people are betting on these games. People yeah. are actually putting like legitimate money on these games. Like, before, like we're we're past the part of just like wanting our team to win because we want them to win. But like, there's actual like money and value and purpose to these games. So it is very frustrating when like you see something happen in real time, and then yeah, the refs don't look at the replay, but we see the replay, and then people like me that clips things record it and then you put it on twitter and it's like hey what the heck was this like like this wasn't a penalty this wasn't a call um and 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 it's 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 very messy it's very very messy and you would you would think that the nhl would learn about how costly certain certain like officiating calls could be i mean hey 1999 his foot was in the crease are we going to call that back no no it's okay all the confetti came down okay we're fine all right sweet right and I, I think when we're we're talking about like the business of it, like the business of it, it's just it, it's laughable, right? I'm I'm watching I'm watching the NBA that has they're they're officiating like, like actually have reports about things. Yeah, there are I was actual thinking about that. Yeah, yeah, there are actual actual the consequences. Yep. Yeah, there are consequences for for um ofi- officials in the NBA if there are calls that made that that need clarification. I need that that need need some type of you know explanation and i think that that's really that could really make a huge difference right like it's one thing to have all of these instances where the officiating is so different but we don't hear anything from them like we don't see like if they had a moment where they can just say you know what this is what i saw at the time 
And then at the very least, at the very least, we can see where they're coming from. But then all we get is that, you know, don't question the refs. Don't question the refs because if you do question the refs, we're not just going to call anything on you, Michael Bunting, right? You, you, anything can happen to you, Michael Bunting, and we're not going to call anything for it, right? And I know I'm focusing on Bunting, but it happens to a lot of players. No, so no, it's no. like, what do play? So like, what do players do? So it's like, do they just accept the 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 crappiness of it all? Do they say something about it and then risk being, you know, um, alienated by the officials? Do they allow their coaches to say something about it and then the coaches get fined? Do the GM say something about it and then the GMs get fined? So, like, what's the resolution? And at this point, again, because Gary Bettman is so willing to put a microphone in his face and say, you know what? No, we have the best officiating in the league, in, in, in the world. Are you serious, man? So, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I, 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 yeah, I really don't know. So, I feel like... I feel like if they're not if they're not going to change the mentality when it comes to to officiating, I know a big a big or a popular theory has been change them from officials to game managers. I think mm-hmm. that might make more sense because, yeah, you're not officiating the game because you're seeing stuff and letting it go. You're you might be managing it, of yeah. course, until the times where you you completely lose control of a game, Graham. Yep. See, no, I, and, and I was, again, I, was yeah. I was literally at a game. It was Ottawa. I don't know if you'd remember. It was Ottawa uh, Flyers at the end of the year, um, and DeBrinket got in a fight. I forget with who, but you could just tell they just let everything go, and then it just became a shit show. Like part of my, you know, my language, but it just like yeah. and that's not managing the game. And it was so clear, like everyone in the building could tell, and they just I don't know. And I, I think Steve Dangle always talks about how the in the playoffs there's less and less penalties as each game goes so like game one there's yeah. more compared to game seven game three there's more than game six and vice versa and it's like that that's that's just not the same sport right and it's just it, it's mm-hmm. a shame um i don't yeah, know that's frustrating gonna, as heck like i don't i don't think we're gonna get any you know i don't think uh the 2024 playoffs will be dramatically different from 2023 but you know probably not Probably not, but we, we can. Hope. <laughs> I, I want to go from despair to despair. So uh, let's talk the Leafs. Um, obviously, oh. team. And how, how how what do you make of this summer? How confident are you that this team can be good again? Just you know, obviously, Dubis uh, left. You get Tree Living. Maybe that's a Shanahan. You know, as GM as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, Nylander. We talked about at the front, just at the top of the show just what do you make of it all and and how do you feel about this team going forward yeah i mean i think the the interesting thing about how the way this season ended was i had this this weird apprehension um to the off season i knew that this off season was, was going to be bad because of all the, the contract stuff coming up and all of the question marks but what really i guess concerned me or for a lack of better choice of words freaked me out a little bit Okay. Um, about the team moving forward was that I didn't know what the plan was. Mm. And I think that's why a lot of Leafs fans, especially on Twitter, were very, um, I guess, polarizing and also extreme when it came to their takes um, uh, regarding the Leafs. Because in the last five years or the last like, yeah, five to six years, we kind of knew what the plan was, right? We knew what the team was going to look like. We knew what the core is going to be. We had an idea what the, the what the goaltending was. We had an idea of who the GM is, what the coach is, what the vision is. And then that that may happen, and things just started taking place where just more question marks came up. Dubis was going to was going to stay, and then he didn't. Then he was removed. 
then we didn't know who the GM was going to be. The GM joined, and we didn't know what they were what they were going to do. <laughs> he couldn't make it make any deals, and he couldn't go to the draft table until Calgary until Calgary selected. Um, we don't know if we don't know what the what the Austin Matthews contract is going to look like. We don't know what the Willie Neal contract is going to look like. We don't know if that contract is going to be on this team. If he does get traded, what are they go? What are they going to? What are they going to get in return? We've added players. We've added you know Max Domi. We've added Tyler Bertuzzi. John Klingberg, how are they going? How are the, how are they going to work? If they all do well, are they going to want to stay because they're all one year deals? Um, we we can't necessarily envision what the team is going to look like because we don't know what the team looks like. But there can still be there can there can still be changes. There can still be uh, moves and such. So or even Ren Ryan Ren Ryan Reeves as well. Which and that like I under I I you know I understand. How did the you purpose. feel about that? <laughs> I got it. I understood it. The three years is scary, but um, but after looking at it, I think it came out that the that the contract um doesn't fall under the, the thirty five uh, plus year contract, so it can be bought out. And okay. if they did, the buyout would be like four fifty k or stuff like that. So it's like okay, that's fine. So you know, or LTIR or something. I don't know exactly, exactly right. So um, so I think for the for the, so a- after all of that fear kind of uh, went away, then this like the slight growing growth of excitement because for me personally this is the first year where the regular season actually matters now mm. i know that might be that might be a laughable thing for you know for people who like watch leagues from afar because for the longest time it's just been like okay well they can finish first in the league but if they don't win around doesn't matter well we did right so so but it, it's interesting because the team is different and the team might play different sheldon keith has lost two of his toys Justin Hall isn't here, and Alex Kerfoot isn't here. So I'm fascinated to see how Sheldon Keefe is, is going to coach the team. How are they going to play? How are they going to be more structured? Is it is this going to be the first time, the first year where we can actually get four lines of consistent offense? What prospects are actually going to actually going to graduate and then make the team? Joseph Wall looked incredible in, in, in the playoffs yeah. at, the, at the end of the season. Is that something that's going to continue? You know, is can he be someone that maybe you know, uh, beats out Samsonov for that sole number one job once once the playoffs be, um, begin. Where are they going to finish, right? The Atlanta, a man, like a- Avery always makes fun of me for this, but like there is no peace in the Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference is stacked and it's so frustrating. Like yeah. there are just so, there are so many. I, I, I'm talking to all my Sens fans and they're like, oh, we're still good, even though we lost to Brink. And I'm like, who do we beat out in the <laughs> East? I'm like, I love the team, but sure they were better than next year than last year sorry but like the atlantic like the only bad team is montreal and they're still better than last year like every team mm-hmm. should be better or like still really good and it's just it's like just the atlantic itself is just such a good uh, division and conference in, in the east yeah exactly and then like like buffalo was better um boston i'm not convinced boston's completely done um yeah, detroit okay. detroit's trying detroit's trying trying to get there that, it's so it's all up. Justin Hall and Ben Sherratt. I'm scared. <laughs> oh boy, man, that's gonna be fascinating. <laughs> so yeah, so it, it, there's a weird little apprehension, but also excitement at the same time. And of course, you want to see can they actually get it done once the playoffs start. So it's kind of a mixed bag, but um, I think this might be the first year where we I, we might actually pay attention to every single game and not just say ah, you know what, we'll wait until April gets here. Until April gets here. What's your kind of biggest concern or worry about this team? Hmm. I guess my concern is that they will never learn. 
Um, <laughs> and and we saw a little bit. We saw a little bit of it in this year's playoffs, where I think you started to see Matthews kind of dig in a little bit more and more and more physically. Um, there were some moments of of Nylander kind of pushing back a little bit. Tavares does have his moments and, and such, but they they need to understand that it's okay to be a jerk while playing <laughs> hockey at the same time. It's okay to push back, and it's also okay to be the team that pushes first. Yeah. Um, and for the longest time, the Leafs have always been a team that gets pushed, gets pushed, gets pushed, and then eventually they just snap and push back. And sometimes there are instances where they push first. But what I'm hoping to see is that throughout this entire season that they push first. They start the fights. They start the scrums. And if anyone messes with them, they 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 you know they they take it seriously. So I'm hoping that you know the, the additions of Ryan Reeves and Max Domi and Tyler Produzzi, um, for example, help to kind of foster that culture of change where it's just like we're not the soft Toronto Maple Leafs anymore you're not going to grab Austin Matthews and grab him by the collar and move him around you're not going to put your glove in Mitch Martin's face and no one's going to do it do anything about it and most importantly we're not going to rely on a 39 year old Mark Giordano to fight the battles for us we're going to fight the battles ourselves so that's what I'm really hoping um, that they learn because if they learn that lesson, then they'll be able to thrive in the playoffs. And what we've seen every single year is that when they're confronted with with physicality, with that pushback, they wilt and they fall back and they let the opposition dictate the play. So I'm hoping that they take the reins and they kind of push forward this time. How confident are you in that that they'll be a change team? Like how, like how, like in your gut, like or if you have to do like a lie detector test, like mm. how confident are you in this team? Uh, <laughs> to be honest, I'm not, I'm not that confident. Okay. It, it, it just, it's just from the place it, just because there's no evidence, right? Like yeah. there's nothing, there's nothing that I have seen that, that warrants, that warrants me believing that they can do anything of like clear cut significance. I mean, if, if they, if the way they go out in the second round is a lot more sustainable or is a lot more stomachable, then yeah, you know, maybe, maybe I might, I might take that moral victory and say, you know what? They, they, they ran into a team that just beat Boston. It'll be fine. But, man, they were down 3 nothing. Like, <laughs> oh. Uh. oh. Like, there, there was nothing redeemable uh, about, about that loss. And it was just shocking to me, especially the play of, of some of the star players and, and how, you know, it's almost as if they waited. They kind of they, – they, they, they took their opportunities or they let Florida take their opportunities. They got screwed with. They got messed with. Sam Bennett ran their show. Rad, Radko Gudis ran their show. And no one did anything about it. No one stepped up. Um, so if I saw more of a pushback or more of an, uh, I guess, a fought and a battle, battle defeat, then I think I'd be more confident. But at this point, it's the same thing every year. Like, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, I'm hoping the, the additions change it. But for now, it's just be, it'll kind of be a bit, a bit of wishful, wishful thinking for me. Where do you stand on the core four? Like, what what do you think of that, you know, the idea of the core four? And just, is it something, because I know some people in, you know, on Leafs Twitter are just break it up. Some people are saying it doesn't make sense to break it up, even though they've been so dreadful in the playoffs. Like, where do you stand on that? Uh, I mean, we've seen so many instances of cores of teams that kind of stay together. Um, you know, they, they go through the, the downtime, they go through the, through the battles and eventually they, they figure it out. I mean, a lot of people like to compare this team to like the Washington Capitals who can never, never get past the second round emphasis on second. 
Um, right? They can they can never get it done. And eventually, eventually they did. Um, but I, this to be to be completely honest, that for me this was the year where I was like, they gotta break it up. This was the year where I was just like, you know what? One one of them, one of them, it, it's not working. It, it, it's not it's not working. And again, because we saw another instance of when they needed goals the most, they couldn't get them from those core players. And the way that the team is built salary cap wise, that can't happen. You yeah. you can't be relying on other players to do it when they're making that much money. So this was the year where I was honestly like, you know what, if they ended up moving one, moving one of them, this would have been it. Um, because, you know, clauses, ironically bringing back to trade clauses that we talked about earlier, <laughs> because now that clauses have kicked in, that's, you know, Yep. The only, I guess, the only option of of of, of a trade act of, of a trade of there would be Nylander, but I don't know. I, I want to believe in them because again, they're they're special elite players. And growing up as a Leafs family, these are the type of players I wanted for the longest time. And it's so crazy thinking, you know, maybe we can't get it done without them because I think that we can. But again, there just hasn't been any evidence for it. So, ah, it's it, it it's unfortunate, and I I hope that they do, but. Get my confidence in the, those players getting it done together on this team. I, I don't think is there anymore. Individually, if they went to other teams, absolutely. But together, yeah, I don't. I don't know if they can. But I, I hope for my sanity, they prove me wrong. So where is uh, where is uh, Nylander to start the season? Is he a Toronto Maple Leaf or is he somewhere else? Uh, I think he's a Leaf man. To be honest with you, I, I think I think he's gonna sign like maybe like a day or two before training camp. I know a lot of people are like dying for the news now, but like it comes down to that old Lou Lamorello uh, quote: "If you have time, use it." And they have all the time in the world. It's July. It's July second at the time we're recording this right now, yeah. and they they have all the time. There's no there's no there's no reason to rush and no reason to push unless Brad True Living has come to the conclusion. Now you know we're moving on from this player. That maybe we do see something. Um, I want to say like I want to actually say that the the Matthew Kachuk deal happened sometime in like July. Yeah, I think it was like July, like late July, I think. Like, exactly right. So yeah. yeah, so there's still a lot of decisions that kind of need to be made. But I I truly do believe that that something will be worked out. Um, it I, I it came out I want to say from um uh, Chris Johnson on the CJ show with Julian McKenzie, um that I think I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it was that show that said that that Matthews would be willing to to take a little bit less. Um and I know and I know that that the least want to sign Nylander first and then Matthews afterwards. Yeah. I think it'd be awesome if you sign Matthews first and you show them that like hey he's willing to take less. So maybe let the have everyone follow suit. But I if if you're asking for a prediction, I think Nylander's gonna be here uh come next season. Well thank you so much Omar for for taking the time and doing this. I just wanna before I let you go, uh other than the Leafs, who's the most fascinating team to you in your mind uh, going into next uh, year? As a uh, most fascinating Canadian team, I should have said uh, for you, Omar. Ooh, ah, uh, so hmm. Okay, <laughs> I kind of have a chaotic answer. Um, okay. and Sam will and Sam will kill me for this. I am fascinated <laughs> to see what Vancouver does. Wow. To okay. try to actually be good this year, they, because yeah. they try it every year, and I don't know why. If there was ever a year to be bad, it was last year when literally 
the generational number one pick is from your from your area. Grew up your grew up a fan of your team, so I'm fascinated to see what Vancouver tries to do to to, to try to try to get better. And another and another team as well that a uh, well that I'm I'm curious about is Winnipeg, especially yeah. after the package that they got in return for Dubois. Um, I'm interested to see if they actually do end up tra- trading um trading Connor Hellebuck. Um, or if they end up like seeing, you know, finding some way to salvage things, and maybe, maybe he stays there. Because if you're trading Hellebuck, then I don't know how you can proceed as far as trying to contend. Um, so I think that that could be an interesting first uh, first shoe to drop for them. So Vancouver, Winnipeg, and also of course Ottawa, because you know Ottawa team where we always lose to Ottawa, it's gonna happen. And I think I think it's fascinating that now the Battle of Ontario might actually mean something. The yeah. longest time people always say, like, oh, the Battle of Ontario. I'm like, man, Battle of Ontario hasn't been a thing since, like, 2006. <laughs> like, both both teams were bad at the same time. Ottawa was better for, for you know, for, for a while longer. They, they went they went to the Eastern Conference Final in 2017. Like, but now I think that, like, that we have growing cores, um, growing cores, but again, both in Toronto and Ottawa. I'm hoping that we start to see some, like, actual, actual, like, meaningful hockey where, like, playoffs are involved um, with Ottawa next year. No, for sure. I mean, <clears throat> I, I kept uh, joking to my Sens fans. I think it was this year because I was optimistic that we'd, we'd play the Leafs in the first round. Obviously, that didn't uh, didn't happen, but uh, I think it will be a really interesting year. And I think uh, the Jets definitely going to be really fascinating to see what they do. I, I wonder if the cap being so crunched and just what we talked about goalie tandems and how teams value goalies. I think Connor Hellebuck might just see that the Jets are the only team to to pay him like eight, nine million dollars, like for eight or for six, seven years. Like, I think it's just going to be really fascinating. And uh, with the Canucks, it's just weird to see them at least this year. I don't know about you, Omar, but it felt as though they finally acted rationally with their cap space. I Like Susie's a good defenseman. I just it's weird to see them act somewhat rationally. But then they bought out uh you know, Ekman Larson. So not the most yeah. pleasant uh, off season. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Omar, thanks so much for, for taking the time. I just want to give you the floor. Is there anything you want to plug for, you know, follow you at Tic Tac Tomar uh, or, you know, at Yahoo or zone time. Is there anything you want to plug before uh, I let you go? Yeah. Um, so yeah, Tic Tac Tomar is definitely the, definitely the place to go as far as Twitter goes, unless Twitter dies. Then yeah, I know. <laughs> then are you, are you a threads guy? I, I, I went over and I liked it, but then it didn't really make a lot of sense. I don't really like the algorithm, but that's just me. Yeah. The algorithm is tough. Like you you get all these people that you have never seen before yeah. and it's just like, you're going through your feed and it's like, who okay. Shakira every day. It's just, it's fun. It's <laughs> yeah, just exactly. Yeah. So I'm hoping that they fix that. But yeah, so if, if Twitter en- ends up falling, then uh, Threads is the way to go. And um, yeah, Zone Time um, in the mentions on Yahoo. And also on um, next year, I, I believe I'll be um, uh, doing report cards on, on the Athletic as well for the Leafs. Awesome. So, um, Great. That's awesome, Omar. I'm, I'm excited to check that out. Uh, thanks so much for, for doing this. And hopefully uh, you have a great summer and uh, the Leafs uh, go to shit next year. I'm kidding. But uh <laughs> no it's okay i, I respect it i respect yeah, no, no, it. i'm kidding i'm not a big leaf hater i i was just really happy for steve dangle when they won which was really funny just to see him like almost cry on on camera when they won one playoff series so that that was fun for me i don't know how you reacted but uh it it, it was it was funny to see the leafs get some success and, and it just went away in 10 days 
Yeah, yeah, that was that. That was my Stanley Cup for sure. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. So it's like you get like an engraved ring just for that. Just <laughs> <laughs> they, they will definitely raise a banner in Scotiabank Arena, like one around. I, the Raptors would always do division championships when they were good in like the like 2015, 2016. You guys should do that with like one round playoff series. I think that should be a Toronto <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk to Brendan Shanahan about it. We have to get that going quickly. Exactly. Well, thanks so much, Omar. I had a blast. I hope you did too. And uh, hopefully uh, do this again. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you.